Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gerardo Polly. And this, oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm Gerardo Polly. I'm Hubert Hemstra, and this is the Vet Vault. We're back with Professor Alice Defarge from the Ontario Veterinary College at the University of Guelph. In this episode, we're talking about imaging of the gastrointestinal tract when you suspect a gastrointestinal bleed, and specifically the use of capsule endoscopy. Shoving a pill which contains a camera down a patient's throat is not an entirely new technology, but for a long time, it has been very limited in its usefulness to veterinarians. However, in recent years, there has been major advances in tech in this field that has significantly increased its utility. Alice talks us through when to use it, how to use it, what it is not good for, and what it is great for. If you haven't listened to the previous episode with Alice about how to interpret your initial diagnostics to get you to the point of imaging the gut for bleeding, go and have a listen. It's great revision, and it will help you to clarify some potentially confusing topics. This episode is brought to you by Alicam. When we're talking about capsule endoscopy, we're really talking about Alicam because Alicam is the world's first veterinary capsule endoscopy unit. We'll give you more details about a few of the practicalities and where you can get a hold of it a bit later in the episode. Go and check them out at forlim.com.au. That's F-O-U-R-L-I-M-B, forlim like in four legs, .com.au and enter the discount code VV for VetVault to get 10% off on your first order of Alicam. But for now, back to Alice and our journey into the canine gastrointestinal tract, searching for trouble. We, we, we see anemic dogs all the time. And the ones where, especially the ones we talked about, which, which are gastric ulcerations. And because you, sometimes you see hematomesis or sometimes it's just like they got melina around the back end. And I've put scopes down these dogs looking down the esophagus. Esophagus is not that hard to kind of squeeze, go up and down a couple of times and make sure you see everything. And then you go on the stomach and you inflate it like a big balloon. You turn it around itself and, you know, play around. But um, then getting it into the duodenum is like next level pain in the ass. Like when you get it in there, it's, it's like an achievement unlocked for an emergency vet. You're like, oh, my God, I got it into the duodenum. And then you, then, and then you can go about one inch <laughs> and then you can't push it any further. I don't know. What's your process there? You still got to kind of go through the endoscope kind of pathway. Like what's new there? Yeah, so the endoscopy is uh, the the conventional endoscopy is uh, is a good mean to to assess uh, the gut. So you can go to the esophagus, you can go to the stomach. After going to the duodenum, it's a little bit more tricky. Uh, you need to be trained for that, so you need to learn how to do it. And it takes like hours. It's a steep learning curve, mm -hmm. but it's uh, it's a lot of time to be trained. Mm -hmm. uh, you can go to the colon as well through the rectum. But then there is a big part of intestine that you, you cannot reach mm. because of the diameter of your scope and because of the length of the small intestine. So you need to remember that uh, the dog intestine uh, length is about like five times the dog's length. So wow. there is no scope that exists that can go through the intestine of a dog mm. or a cat, same mm. thing. So you're missing a big segment of intestine one of the major drawbacks, I think, uh, more and more actually, is that people don't want to put their dog under general anesthesia for, to just like scope the dog or the cat. So for people, 
you don't have to. You're under sedation and they, they scope you. Mm. Can I go back a step with you, Alice? So, so we've, I feel like Jonas jumped ahead a bit of, of the game a little bit to endoscopy. I, endoscopy is, um, it's more and more common, but I think lots of vets uh, are quite intimidated by it. I, I said, I can drive the thing and I enjoy it and it's fun to go and fish out foreign bodies. But when it comes to more subtle things, my big concern is that I'm going to miss something. I'm not going to, I mean, I'm going to GA a dog, go through this whole procedure and then miss something that's, that's a little bit less obvious. But before we get to endoscopy, if I suspect GI bleeding, uh, what, are there steps in between? Um, I mean, I'm thinking we're going to send it for an ultrasound or something like that. How, how useful are the other imaging modalities in, in investigating GI bleeding? So my experience is the same as yours is, like I don't have the skills to diagnose like ulcerated uh, like stomach based on a like based on ultrasound, and those cases sometimes come at night, and you don't have access to people who are trained to do like very skilled like an ultrasound exam. Uh, so what I do usually is that if the dog looks like he has perforated, then the radiograph would be would be pretty helpful. Uh, because you can see like free gas in the abdomen sometimes, or AFAST would be uh, also helpful. Sometimes you can see like fluid, and if you don't see fluid in the first hours, then if you put your dog on fluids, then I always like re-AFAST them, and then sometimes you can see fluid accumulating. So that would be my approach. But then if your case is pretty stable, then we're not suspecting any perforated like ulcer. Uh, if it's a chronic anemia on a dog that is wagging his tail and is doing well, but otherwise is anemic, then I I I don't use like radiograph because they're usually like not very helpful. So I use like either I ask for an ultrasonographer to come and do the specialized like exam for me, but it's more to rule out other codes because even with a very trained like ultrasonographer they cannot really rule out a GI ulcer based on their exam. They can, sometimes when they see something, uh, when they see like uh, gas trapped in the mucosa, then they can tell you that they are suspecting GI ulcer. So I go to my next step and recently I've been using like capsule endoscopy and it was not available before for dogs. Or I should say like there was like capsule endoscopy that we could borrow from the human medicine, but they were not very easy to use in dogs. Yeah. Um, and recently we had like new capsule endoscopy so I use that most of the time you see that's awesome I, I remember that at, at university it was mentioned they said yes in human medicine they, they use capsule but they kind of poo-pooed it there was the, our lecturers were all like yeah it's not that useful you're only looking at one side of the gut so it's very easy to to miss things so so what's changed in capsule endoscopy now to, to make it more useful for us so the first capsule endoscopy uh, that were launched uh, probably more than 20 years ago in people, uh, they were um, just like 120 degree angle. So there was one camera at the tip of the capsule. And so you had like just like an angle that would look like a, an endoscopic view, like the conventional endoscopic view. Mm -hmm. But with the conventional endoscopy, you can guide the yeah, camera. Yeah, of course. Uh, with the old uh, capsule endoscopy, you cannot guide it and you cannot insufflate. So you're completely relying on the random movement of the capsule. So you cannot interrogate all the gut. So you're missing, you can miss a lot of things. The other trouble that we had with the, with the old capsule that was on the market is that 
you had to have like a big recorder attached to the dog. Um, you had to fix it on a belt. So it and you need you needed to put the recorder on a basis, and the basis with the software was very expensive. So I looked it up and I gave up because I didn't have the money as a professor to uh, to buy it for my patients. Um, but it looked very interesting. But then suddenly some like a new capsule came out. So I got super excited and I've been using it for probably the last three years. Okay. So what's what's different about this guy? So the, the new capsule is very, uh, is very different. So there are th- four cameras around the capsule. So it gives you a 360 degree angle. So you have a panoramic a panoramic view of the gut. Do you wear do you, do you wear a VR headset? Do you, do you wear a virtual reality headset when they're when they're reviewing the footage? And it's kind of like you turn the head. Okay. <laughs> we should we should approach the company and uh, ask that. <laughs> I can imagine that would be even more exciting. So um, yeah, the capsule is really really cool. So you don't they don't have to wear any uh, vest, any recorder on them. You actually peel the dog and then it goes back home. So it's really cool. It's really, really easy. It's like peeling a dog with a vitamin peel. And then then you have good collection duty for a while. Yeah, so the the only drawback is that you need to get back the capsule because the capsule has a flash memory in it. So it keeps all the pictures. Um, So you don't have a big recorder to buy. It's not... You just have to buy the capsule and there is no training associated with that, no big equipment to buy. But then you need to to ask the people to uh, collect the capsule in the poop. But usually they poop it like within 24 hours to two or three days at the most. Um, I, I, I was like really because my dog pooped it like within a day and uh, <laughs> I developed like a lot of skills to search the poop of my dog. But like honestly, I was... Um, I was skeptical about the reaction of the client and all clients were so excited by the capsule technology that no one felt uncomfortable to search the poop. Um, <laughs> they even like, yeah, no, it was amazing. So we even like um, offered them to keep the dog to uh, search the poop for them for one or two days to board the dog, but no one no one wanted to do that. And they, so the, the capsule actually, which is very cool and my kids loved it, that when we gave one to my dog, so it's blinking when it's when the battery life is still like working. Yeah. So if your dog poops it before it turns off, so before like 15 hours, then in the poop it will blink. <laughs> <laughs> so you can find it very easily. So it's very it's, uh, very convenient. I can see that the, the the attraction to to clients. It's a little bit like an Easter egg hunt. <laughs> <laughs> Like a disgusting Easter egg. I, I think my kids would actually fight each other to, to go through the dog's poo to try and see who's the first to get to the camera. <laughs> We're going to take a short break to give you some of the practical details about Alicam and our sponsor, Forlum Surgical Supplies, who is where you'd buy Alicam from here in Australia and New Zealand. Forlum has been providing surgical supplies to Australia and New Zealand for the last seven years from right here in good old Perth. And they pride themselves in maintaining great relationships with their customers, that's you, the vets and nurses, as well as with all of their suppliers from around the world. Alice will cover most of these topics in the episode, but I thought we'd do a very quick little user guide summary for you. So you have a case that you think could benefit from having its entire gut filmed. 
So what do you do? And I'm going to interrupt myself here to clarify that this is not a specialist thing. It's very much designed to provide fantastic imaging capabilities to your average GP vet. So you contact your local Alicam provider to order your Alicam. And in Oz and New Zealand, that will be forlum at forlum.com.au. That's F-O-U-R, like the number four. Here in Australia, it'll arrive in 24 to 48 hours max, depending on where you are. Alternatively, you could keep a few of them on the shelf because the battery only activates once you take it out of the box. So you can actually hang on to them until you need them. Then it's simply a matter of pulling your fasted patient like you would with any other pill. Then you send the dog home if the owners are happy with that and if they're happy to be on very strict poo control for a day or two. Or you can keep it in hospital until it poops out. Once the capsule comes out the other end, the owner will bring the capsule back to you, hopefully pre-cleaned, and then you send it back to the local supplier who will download the thousands of images onto a special reader and send it to one of their medicine specialists in the US who will review the entire series and write you a full report with a list of DDs, suggestions, and everything you need to know. So you get a specialist consultation plus a link to the images that you can look at yourself and share with the owners, which they love. No special training, no equipment purchases, no anesthetics or sedation, and a ton of very useful information. Super simple. Now I want to tell you a quick side story, just because I love it so much. Sebastian, or Seb, who is the founder of Forlum, and I actually go back a while. He was the first vet to be employed at my after hours vet business. You could say that we built the business on the back of my and Seb's lack of sleep. After a few years, Seb's then-fledgling surgical supply company took off, so he left me to tend to the sick animals while he focused on taking care of vets and their equipment needs. A few years later, I came across Alicam, and I loved it so much that I seriously considered becoming the distributor for it here in Australia. I asked Seb for some advice on selling and distributing products, and I eventually decided to stick to clinical practice and not pursue the selling part of it. But Seb saw the potential for Alicam that I saw, and he decided to run with it. And now, here he is supporting me again with the podcast. Now, I just love this so much. It gives me such a thrill to see how this all went full circle, from us working together and building a good working relationship and just treating each other with respect, to where we are today. We talk a lot with our guests about connection and the importance of relationships here on The Vault. Uh, at least I do talk about it a lot. And this story illustrates that perfectly for me. How the people who cross your path might end up playing an important role in your life later down the line in ways that you can't predict right now. So it's worth investing in all of your relationships. And I don't say this just from a selfish perspective of try to be nice to people because you might be able to benefit from them later on. It's rather an attitude of give the best of yourself to everybody you meet whenever you can because the resulting relationships that will come out of that attitude will be the things that eventually matter most. But that's enough babbling from me. Let's get back to Alice. <laughs> I, I just want to go a step back. So you said this, this so it's got four cameras. Uh, so does that eliminate that 120 degree limitation of just seeing a, seeing a part of the guy? Well, like what is the picture that you actually get out of this? So the big advantage is to uh, get like a panoramic view, uh, but you're not, seeing, uh, you're not seeing the lumen you're not seeing the same picture as a conventional endoscopy. So, for example, for structure, yeah. you would not see a structure. Saying that if your dog is regurgitating or is vomiting uh, profusely, you would not give the alicam because you're suspecting a partial obstruction. So, 
Um, we don't usually give capsule this type of capsule to a dog who has suspicion of obstruction of the GI. Okay, but but in terms of wall pathology, you're getting a 360 degree view of the of the entire gut wall. Yeah, sorry, I didn't understand the question. So the the um, the panoramic view is amazing because um, you uh, you miss less lesion, less lesion because you're seeing like for example in the intestine you're seeing the entire in, intestine. Mm because you're seeing like the 360 degree like picture of the intestine. There are four cameras taking like 16 pictures per second. Wow. So you're not missing wow. lesion. Yeah, it's a lot. So you're not missing a lot of things actually with this capsule. And it magnifies a lot. So you can see a lot more actually uh, because it's a closer view of the mucosa. So I've been surprised, but at the beginning I was skeptical like with every new technology as an old dinosaur. And I I did capsule and then I scoped the dog after with conventional endoscopy. And I was surprised that I was seeing more stuff with the capsule than with my scope. And it's just because it magnifies more. And I think also it's more physiologic. So for example, for bleeding, you can miss bleeding with the conventional endoscopy because first it can be intermittent. Mm -hmm. And then uh, you cannot anesthetize like four times the dog to scope and make sure that it is the day where he's bleeding. And then uh, although you're insufflating the organ, so you're stopping the bleeding probably in some, in some places wow. because you're putting like tension on the organ. Ah, that's cool. So, so then, sorry, but how do you access the images? So the camera, you shove a camera down and it goes through, then how do I, see or interpret the, the the footage or the photos so to get the picture it's pretty easy um as the vet you just have to send the capsule to an infinity office and they will download the capsule and they will um, look at the picture the video so a trained endoscopist will look at all the study and they will come come up with like an interpretation of the study and they will also provide like a consultation actually a recommendation about the the patient so what to do what is the next step what they think is happening and so it's like a package you're getting like pictures and a consultation from a gastroenterologist wow that's very nifty I just want to see what this looks like. Is there an upgradable version when you get the VR headset that comes with it? <laughs> <laughs> I'll get. I will get over that sooner or later. But okay. So, so okay. So, swallow the pill. Pill goes down. You get the whole entire GI tract. Um, do you, Do you feel like as if you you miss parts of the stomach because it kind of sits in a rugae, or do you find that as as like with time it kind of moves around the the vast majority of the stomach anyway as part of just you know. Um, contractions and things or yeah so uh for the intestine definitely the 360 degree angle and the um the fact that it travels like throughout the intestine i would say that for the small intestine is the best exam because you're seeing everything in the stomach um it doesn't it depends so there are some dogs where the capsule like stays there for like five hours so you're hoping that the random movement of the capsule gave you like a, a broad view of the overall like mucosa, uh, but you could miss some things because you cannot insufflate. So some lesions could get like hidden 
just behind uh, like a fold. So you can miss some things. Sometimes uh, the transit of the capsule in the stomach is super mm. quick. Mm. Uh, it's pretty rare, but it can happen. And so you could miss something. But that's for me, it's not a big deal because you can do the, if you really think that you miss something in the stomach, uh, you can redo when it can. doesn't take any general anesthesia, so you can you, you can try that. Uh, there are some different tricks that you can use to decrease a little bit the transit. Uh, in people, it's like chewing chewing gum. I don't know if we can do that in dogs, but uh, <laughs> I saw that. But you can fast the dog uh, longer. It will decrease the transit, for example. So that would be a, a trick. And then... If you really think that there is something in the stomach and the alican didn't pick it, then it gives you an argument for the client to recommend the conventional endoscopy. So that's a good first step. That's another tool in your box. It doesn't replace anything, but it, it's another tool to to uh, rule out some things and uh, convince you that you need to go further. Yeah, sure. It's like an adjunct to... It's like ultrasound yeah. is good with x-ray or ultrasound's good with an endoscope, you know, it's like a, it's another way to really kind of completely assess the small intestine, like in a way we've never been able to before apart from ultrasound, really, you know, or 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 surgical um, biopsies or something like that, So, which probably still has a place as well anyway, so doesn't it? So we're not throwing away our endoscopes. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I love watching people doing endoscopes and they... They, they try to change the direction of the endoscope by tilting their head. I do that. Yeah, yeah and it's, and Alex, <laughs> Alex gets seasickness from it. And I think it's like playing um, a, a computer game and reminds me of Empire Strikes Back where um, Han Solo is flying the Millennium Falcon through, through that big worm that's in space. I don't know if you guys remember that scene. I'm sure some people out there will remember that scene. Oh, I love Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad my kids are old enough that now I can watch it with them. I have an excuse. <laughs> it makes me feel like this moment, like a spaceship. It's cool. I, I, I find that a key thing for endoscopy is, is it helps when you stick your tongue out as well. Okay, so we still got to be scoping things. So some cases will will end up being scoped as well. What 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 are the sort of indications where, well, let's say where the where Alicam is going to have limitations where you're going to go, okay, well, let's let's look at a scope or or another modality on top of that. So for sure, foreign body, of course, uh, foreign body. You cannot remove it with the capsule. <laughs> uh, when you really need a biopsy, uh, you'll you'll need to have tools and guide um, the camera. So I think that would be a something uh, that would be a limitation of the capsule and sometimes the capsule uh, for any reason does turn off before reaching the intestine so what i've been using uh, is take a device and actually almost in all my cases now when i'm scoping i take the device and i drop an alicam in the duodenum Ah, and then cool. it gives me like the entire gut evaluation. Ah, okay. So, so you scope, you go in with the scope, have a decent look at the stomach because we talked about the stomach problems and then through the stomach and go, okay, there, that's as far as I'm going to get with my scope, drop it and an alicam down there to evaluate the rest. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, you'd, you'd, you'd scope the colon there at the same time or you'd kind of... Most of the time I scope, so now, like, since uh, they they prove that uh, a lot of diseases are easily diagnosed, more easily diagnosed from the ileum than from the duodenum, for example, mm -hmm. in cats, I scope 
I do the lower as well. But in dogs, sometimes I don't. And I usually drop an alencam and then it gives me the entire gut. It gives me like an image of everything. So I, when I scope now, it's very common that I drop an alencam in the duodenum. What the conventional endoscopy does not have is the ability to measure the motility of the intestine and the, the stomach. And I think that is a big advantage of the capsule. This, this is why I use it too. It's, um, I think we underdiagnose a lot like this motility disorder uh, in, um, in dogs and cats. And I think a lot of our uh, supposedly like IBD dogs are probably suffering just for it from intestinal dysmotility. So um, I think the capsule also is great because it gives you, it, it has like a clock inside. Mm-hmm. And so it gives you like uh, a measurement of the transit of the stomach uh, okay. and of the small intestine. Wow. Can you use it in cats? You, you, you've mentioned cats a few times. Is it, can you fit it in a cat? Yeah, sorry? sorry. I was just, yeah, I was just mentioning cats, but you cannot use it in cats, unfortunately for now. I hope that soon we'll be able to do it. Um, so we, you can use it in horses, but the limitation is the size of the gut for now because the yeah. capsule is like 11 millimeter uh, times like 33 millimeter. So it's a big mm. vitamin capsule. Okay. So it, so the, the smallest dog that swallowed the capsule was 4.3 kilogram. I'm a little bit chicken. So I usually, uh, my cutoff is like mm. seven kilogram. Yeah. Okay. I totally see the application there, especially uh, having scoped stomachs and esophaguses and, and proximal duodenums myself. Um, I love the idea of putting the, like the the the, the alicam at the end and like and, and depositing it into the small intestine. But it sounds a little bit like kind of like specialty referral practice. It's like what what's the application there for a general practitioner? No, I think I think it's intimidating, but honestly, it is not a referral practice like procedure. I think it's actually a great opening for general practice um, that gives the general practice a mean to actually interrogate the gut without referring the case. Uh, anyone can peel um, a dog with the capsule. And so we, the capsule is like a new tool for the general practitioner to diagnose uh, GI disease with like endoscopy without referring the case. And then if they send the capsule, then they get like a full specialist consultation without referring the case. They don't have to spend any money with new equipment. They just have to buy the capsule, which is billed to the client. They don't have to be trained specifically for that. Uh, A specialist will look at the pictures and the video and they can share the results and the video with their client. Mm. Or even, I suppose, then to the... You know, if it's beyond them or something, or then and they refer the patient after, like they've got valuable data there as well, the small intestinal tract. So, and it's, it's an adjunct, isn't it? Yes, it's an adjunct because it can convince the people and the vets that it's uh, it would be a good case to be referred, for example, for further investigation if the capsule like confirmed their suspicion, for example. Mm. Uh, so, so it's obviously very, very useful for for GI bleeding and those sort of things. What, are there other things we can use it for? I'm just trying to think, like you know, chronic diarrheas or stuff like that. What what are other potential uses for it? Yeah, so uh, it's a good question. So at the beginning, I was using it only for GI bleeding, 
uh, that's the main indication uh, in people. But in people, they use it also for Crohn's disease. And I started reading about that. And then I used it like on my patients, for example, for whom like the GA was not an option because it was highly contraindicated. Mm-hmm. And I discovered that you can see a lot of lesions with capsules. So you can uh, see vascular malformation. You can see lymphangiectasia you really see like the lymph leaking. Wow. Yeah, it's really, really uh, cool. So you can see that, you can see mass, uh, you can see delayed esophageal, like uh, emptying. You can see a lot, a lot of uh, disease. We see like inflammation, very erythematous, like an, an irregular, like mucosa. Um, I have a lot of examples. Recently, like last week, we evaluated a dog and we were looking for GI bleeding and we ended up like finding like other lesion in the intestine and uh, the intestine looked very, very irregular. And we scoped the dog and we did biopsy and he had like a lymphoma in the duodenum. So you can actually see a lot more than just GI bleeding. Wow. Okay. Okay, cool. Wow. So like, so chronic gastros, protein losing enteropathies, um, GI bleeds, yeah, I was surprised actually because lymphangiectasia, for example, protein losing enteropathy. Um, I always like I've I've been scoping like conventionally like dogs for several years, and in the in the duodenum sometimes it's not very obvious that you have protein losing enteropathy with the scope. And then I started doing alicam, and now I I think there are more abnormality of dilated lacteals in the distal small intestine based on the alicam. Mm. This, this must be like, I've opened up all these areas of research for you. Oh, oh yeah. I've been doing a lot of research with alicam for sure. It does. Um, I'm fascinated by it. I'd, I'd love to start playing with it. Have you, have you had any other cool cases? Like cases where you, where you expected one thing and then went, oh, wow, that's, um, there's a surprise. Yeah, so I had actually to go back to IMHA. I had uh, my coolest case. I will remember that all my life. I cannot share his name with you, but it's one of my favorite patients. He came to us and he was uh, uh, really sick. He was uh, getting a transfusion, and I'm not lying. He was getting a transfusion every day, and that's why he was referred to us. And uh, he was treated for IMHA. And then when we reviewed the case, we looked at the like all the parameters I talked to you about at the beginning, and then... We figured out that maybe it was not a true IMHA from the beginning. And we scoped the dog with conventional endoscopy because at that time I was not convinced about Alicam. It was the really infancy of the capsule endoscopy in, uh, in dogs. And then uh, we couldn't see anything abnormal on the conventional endoscopy, but we didn't scope the entire gut because with conventional endoscopy, you cannot do it. And I went to a conference uh, just before uh, this case, and I saw like a presentation about capsule endoscopy in dogs, and so I, I was like, okay, let's try it. I was a bit desperate for this, that case, so I tried it. So I sent it away to the Infinity office. I got uh, the report like within 24 hours, and uh, they told me your dog has vascular abnormality. Uh, you need to cauterize it, and we never saw that on the conventional endoscopy. The dog was full of vascular malformation. The dog had uh, cauterization uh, with um, with a special technique, and then he was transfusion free for two years. 
Wow. So he was about to be euthanized and he survived two years and it, it recurred after, but for two years it was completely perfect. So he was never an IMHA. So he was on immunosuppressants yeah. and, and, and in the meantime he's bleeding from his guts. So did he have blood in his poo? Like could you see the blood in his feces or was he in a, in a cult bleeder? So when, when we saw the patient the first time uh, and he was so sick, the, he was not bleeding. He was probably bleeding, but I mean, he didn't have any melena. Uh. And when we looked at, the, at his blood work, we called the, the client back and we digged a little bit more into his history. And then the, the client told us, oh, yeah, by the way, a week ago, he had uh, black stools. Oh, but it was intermittent. Wow. And this is the case I talked about earlier where when we when we were cutting the poop we would see like some uh discoloration inside. Uh, wow. That's gotta be one of the key takeaways from this. You gotta cut the poop. <laughs> <laughs> Alice's tip number one, cut the poop. <laughs> cut the poop. <laughs> now that was super informative because I would like, you know, you just look from the outside, right? Ah, I'm I'm jealous because I, because we we Gerard are both in, in emergency. I feel like we're not going to get to use it very much. Well, we, we can use it during you, but I'll, I'll buy one and just kind of see what you look like on the inside. <laughs> you just, with you just VR, go with you know, VR down my gut. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Alice, that's so awesome. Thank you so much for for your time on this and and for a very interesting and i love i love new toys i, I don't i think the veterinary world are, we're all a bit like that any new toy or any new tool that you can use to um, to give you more information is always such a welcome thing i think it's gonna be lovely for people to hear thanks so much no you're welcome i think i think it's a great tool and i didn't i didn't uh, i just i will just add something is uh, at the beginning i was just using it for diagnosing and now i'm using it for monitoring so I'm monitoring a lot of patients with Alicam um, when I want to see their response to my treatment. Uh, before that, I didn't have any tool to do it because I would have had to put them under general anesthesia to rescope them. Yeah, of course. Uh, with the capsule, I can now monitor them. So I think it's a big, big advantage. And for general practitioner, it's huge, mm. I think. Wow. I suppose because you're, you're, you're specifically with GI bleeding, we just discussed how it's sometimes the the symptoms are not that that obvious because you're not when it starts let's say you're treating a big ulcer or something uh how long do you treat for well i don't see any blood in the poo anymore everything looks normal but you don't know that it's actually healed so then would you shove a shove a camera down and go and have a look at it and say yes it's healed or actually no it's still it's still eroded we've got to keep treating is that how you're using it yeah that's what i would do and it's less expensive than a conventional endoscopy you don't have any general anesthesia and you're getting like a consultation at the same time. So the client, the client are not reluctant at all. That's brilliant. And it's many, many invasive and the, all the clients are in favor of many, many invasive procedures. So of course, yeah. But there is no special Googles. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to just say, we'll wrap up here and, and I'll have a chat to Hubert with his, um, you know, his sidebarring conversations about VR headsets because it's not appropriate, is it, Hubert? Remember to go and check out the show notes at thevetvault.com for a summary of what we've discussed today, as well as to go to forlim.com.au and use the discount code VV to get 10% off your first order of Alicamp. And if you found value in today's content, 
and you can think of a friend who might find it useful, click that share button and send the link to them. Thank you for listening.